Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lake Scenario Leader and Kentucky.com. It's Monday, February the 7th, 2022. And on Tuesday, February the 8th, Kentucky travels down to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks in an SEC college basketball game. It's a 7 o'clock start on ESPN. Kentucky coming off that 66-55 win at Alabama on Saturday down in Tuscaloosa. The Cats are now 19-4 overall. They are 8-2 in the SEC. They're two games behind first place Auburn in the league standings. South Carolina is 13-9 overall. The Gamecocks are 4-6 in the SEC. Uh, they're coming off back-to-back losses. They lost at Mississippi State 78-64 last week, last Tuesday. And then on Saturday, they lost to Tennessee at home 81-57. Uh, to help me preview the game, I talked with Michael and Anna, who covers South Carolina basketball for the state newspaper down in Columbia. And, uh, and to talk about about the cats, I talk with my friend Kyle Tucker, who covers UK for the Athletics. So, without any further ado, let's get right to it. First, you'll hear from Michael and Anna of the State Newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, on the Gamecocks. And after that, you'll hear Kyle Tucker of the Athletic talking about the cats. Okay, my guest on the podcast now is Michael Lanana from the State Newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, who covers South Carolina athletic, Athletics, covers South Carolina basketball. How's it going, Michael? It's going great. Thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to the game on Tuesday. It should be a fun one. Yeah, Kentucky and South Carolina Tuesday night down in Columbia. Uh, yeah, it should be a fun game. Uh, what about the South Carolina basketball team, Michael? What, what kind of what were the expectations for for this team coming into this year for the Gamecocks? Yeah, well, obviously last year's team it was it was such a struggle. Uh, you know, went six and fifteen last year. Really were sapped by COVID. Um, didn't have much, if any, non conference schedule at all, and really struggled. And you know, this year coming into the year kind of felt like a do or die kind of year for for Frank Martin and, the, and this coaching staff here in South Carolina with a lot of just the the negative uh, attention swirling around the program last year with how difficult last year was and and so you know with this team it was it was really difficult to forecast what it would look like because just there's just so much turnover you know just with the transfer portal you know obviously every team uh, in the country you know lost and added some guys but this team has nine new players uh, on the roster. And so just figuring out how all these pieces would mesh and, and how they'd fit together um, really created sort of a sense of, of mystery around this team. And so, you know, I think the expectation coming in is that, you know, it would be better than last year. 
Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, and we've seen flashes with this team, but, um, you know, obviously it's going through a tough stretch right now and it's going to have its hands full uh, against Kentucky on Tuesday, obviously. Yeah, how are the Gamecocks playing right now? They're thirteen and nine overall, four and six in the SEC after losing to Tennessee on Saturday. How are they playing right now? Right now, you know, the, the, they've lost their last two games uh, after they went on a little three-game run. You know, the thing about this team is it's just it, – it's been, especially throughout SEC play, just very inconsistent. Uh, a team that you don't really see a, a complete half of, of basketball or a complete game of basketball. You might see them for one half really get going, which we saw in the Tennessee game this weekend. It was neck and neck at halftime, um, you know, tied for a while until the, the balls pulled away. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about this Gamecocks team is, yeah, it, its strength is its guard play. Um, Eric Stevenson and James Reese are, are two veterans that they brought in that have quickly become leaders on the team. Um, they're good three-point shooters. And, and when this team is going well, they're making shots. But um, they've really struggled of late in their front court, um, really struggled making really any sort of impact in the post, scoring the ball, rebounding. They've had some injuries there as well. And so um, it's, it's been a little disjointed. Um, um, for this team, it's they're not playing their best basketball right now. But you know, it's still one of those teams that because they have a lot of veteran guys, it's you know they've shown some flashes here and there. Um, it's just you haven't seen it consistently. When South Carolina, when they are playing at their best, what do they do well? What what uh, I mean, what characterizes a South Carolina team when they are playing to their potential? Well, I think uh, as with any Frank Martin team that is performing well, I think you have to look at the defense first. Mm-hmm. And when this team is playing well, it's it's defensively sound, it's aggressive, it's clogging the passing lanes, it's making life really difficult for an opposing offense. And uh, on the three-game winning streak this team just went on, um, won all three games really on the strength of its defense in the second half, just tightening up, forcing turnovers, and getting out on the fast break and, and scoring in transition. That, that's really what this team wants to do. Um, they have sort of a, a slogan, a, a team hashtag, guard and go. And, you know, they want to guard. They want to shut down the other team, create turnovers, and then get on the other end of the court and score on the fast break. And when this team is at its best, that's, that's what it's doing. It's creating turnovers, and it's getting down the court, and it's playing a, a really fast-tempo style of basketball. And so um, what we really saw lately, um, you know, in the Tennessee game is, you know, once they got into their half court offense um, and once they let the defense get set, they really struggled to create um, and and to create open looks, especially in the interior. And so um, this team, it wants to run it wants to go up and down the court. And and it really starts with defense. You talked about Eric Stevenson and and James Reese. Can Can you talk a little more about those guys, how they have played and some other guys maybe Kentucky fans should look for on Tuesday night? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Eric, Eric Stevenson and James Reese uh, are both both transfers uh, on this team and, and both guys that definitely fit sort of that Frank Martin mindset of, of toughness, having an edge, you know, playing with some aggressiveness out on the court. And, and that's something that, you know, Frank talked about all offseason about how much those guys were changing the culture. And, and we've seen it. I mean, just talking to them, you know, they both 
talk like coaches, like they're extensions of the, of the coaching staff. And, you know, they both have come up in big moments. Um, they're the leading scorers on the team for a reason. You know, they make a lot of uh, key three-point shots and, and they uh, impact the game in a, in a lot of other ways as well. You know, some of those, um, you know, from an assist standpoint, you know, clutch rebounds, things of that nature. But, you know, you look at the rest of the team uh, and, uh, you know, guys like, you know, Jermaine Cousinard is, is a guy who has been on this team for, for four years now and, and is a guy who has, you know, struggled with injuries this year and has been up and down. And, and so there's been a lot of just uncertainty at point guard um, because of him. They've, they've tried two true freshmen at point guard and it's been hit or miss. Um, you know, they've really had a hard time finding uh, consistent scoring options outside of Stevenson and Reese. You know, Devin Carter, a freshman, has been playing point guard lately. He can be explosive. Um, he, you know, he plays very aggressively, likes to run toward the rim, cut toward the basket, but he can also make some mistakes. Um, Keyshawn Bryant is another guy, a senior who's been on this team for a while. He can have an explosive dunk, but, you know, he's also gotten into foul tr- trouble of late and has had some issues. So, um, you know, it, it's it, it's a team. There's talent on this team. It's just it's they haven't really all been firing at once. And, and so, you know, obviously to have a chance against a team like Kentucky, they need to find a way to all gel. You mentioned about Frank Martin earlier. You know, Frank took South Carolina to a Final Four a few years ago. Uh, been in Columbia for a while. What did what does the fan base think right now about about Frank? Where I mean, you talked about maybe this being maybe even a make or break year this year for South Carolina as far as Frank's concerned. Uh, what's what's the general feeling now about the about the job Frank's doing? Yeah, well, you know, I got to tell you, based on the emails and, and tweets <laughs> I get, it's uh, <laughs> there aren't warm feelings right now um, from the Gamecock fan base. But that that shouldn't come as as much of a surprise um, with just how uh, the Gamecock fan base is wired. Um, you know, last year such a difficult year, and um, you know, now a, a few years removed from that Final Four run. You know, the team hasn't made the the NCAA tournament since that run, and and, and some of the luster has sort of worn off a little bit here locally among the fan base and uh you know you could tell that there's a, a sort of a, a dissatisfaction every time that there's a, a you know a loss you could, you could just kind of hear the rumblings a little bit and so yeah you know i think it's fair to say that you know this year is in a lot of ways uh, kind of a, a prove it year you know they spent about a month uh after last season negotiating his contract you know kind of exploring other options and um, gave him an extension, but in the process lowered his buyout for this year. And uh, in the two years that they extended him for, didn't have a buyout at all. So that, you know, that says something about, you know, what they think of him moving forward. No raise in that extension either. So, um, you know, certainly there's a sense that, you know, he could be um, coaching for his job, you know, if they don't uh, make the postseason this year, you know, whether it's NIT or whatever it, it might be. Um, certainly it's not looking great for the NCAA tournament right now with this team. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's a team that's really just in flux, that's in transition, that's, you know, it mentioned all the new pieces, the nine new players, just um, really just kind of a patchwork team right now that has, shown some things, has some big wins. You know, the win against Texas A&M was, uh, you know, on the road was was a really nice win. Beating Florida State was nice. You know, they had some nice non-conference wins, but it's just, it's just again, just not consistently putting putting it all together, and they're running out of time to do that. 
What about, we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording, uh, South Carolina's an interesting situation from the standpoint that their women's team is so successful. Don Staley said, done such a great job there. You know, they're at the top of the rankings, uh, you know, year after year here lately. Does that help or hurt the men's team? Do people, do fans on the side, well, we're doing it in women's basketball. How come we're not doing it in men's basketball? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think it might hurt uh, to to a degree the the men's team just because you know it's 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 really easy. Just I mean, they play in the same arena. Um, it's it's very easy to just say, hey, yeah. I mean, look at what Don Staley is doing with the women here. Why can't we do that with the men? You know, I think that's uh, you know a question that um, you know you could hear a lot from the casual fan, and and of course, you know. The, the 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 women's game, the men's game, and the environment and the competitive structure and the parity is all very different. And right. it's 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 a, it's a lot more difficult to you know sort of make that climb, right. um, you know, in the men's game. But um, you know, it's not necessarily uh, you know the apples to orange comparison. But you know, I, I think certainly because of that success, um, you know that that they've seen, and I, I think also too in some ways, you know, with the football team with Shane Beamer, you know, coming in and sort of yeah. um, he's Good sort point. of the beloved the beloved figure right now, um, you know, after winning the Mayo Bowl, going seven and six and exceeding expectations, and I, I think just overall there's kind of a, a hunger for something new um, just start kind of around this program with this fan base. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, this is a really a critical stretch, you know, for the South Carolina team and really for, for Martin and his staff too. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, Kentucky on Tuesday, then they go to Georgia and they go to Ole Miss after that. Uh, some games, even though they're on the road, they're, you know, those are winnable games, I would think. What about on Tuesday night, though? Uh, I know South Carolina fans always get jacked up when Kentucky comes to town. Uh, what does South Carolina have to do, you think, on Tuesday to pull off the upset and knock off Kentucky? Yeah, well, I think it's really going to start uh, with the front court um, because they they really haven't gotten production there uh, at all um, in these last few games. I mean, Frank Martin said point blank uh, after their loss to Tennessee that it's it's flat out embarrassing uh, what we're getting from our big men, and you know I'm not sure what to do. I mean, it's that uh, they're getting more rebounds out of their guards. Uh, they're not able to yeah, finish near the rim. A lot of point Blake layups that they're missing. And and so, you know, I think it, it really starts in the inside. It starts uh, with Wildens Levesque, um, who has struggled mightily in SEC play after, you know, it seemed like he was coming on strong uh, as their starting center, uh, you know, had five straight games at double, double digit points uh, to close out non-conference play. And his last game played more than 20 minutes, had zero points and just really was a non-factor. And so, they need him to get going. Um, they, they need uh, Taquan Woodley, a, a freshman who's missed the past couple games, the, the birth of his daughter. Um, they need him back um, to make an impact in the front court. And, you know, as we said earlier, um, you know, they need to make some defensive stops. You know, it, this, this team really lives by that garden-go mindset of – try to get those turnovers, race down the court, try to score in transition. And so, you know, the, the only way this team is, is going to shut down this team is to be physical inside, make stops, and then try to score in transition and, you know, hope that guys like Eric Stevenson, James Reese, and some of those veterans and clutch shooters can make big-time shots. But obviously it's, it's easier said than done. And, uh, <laughs> but that, that's sort of the perfect uh, scenario uh, for this team if everything goes right. Well, Kentucky's had their trouble uh, before going to play in Columbia. Uh, South Carolina's had some big wins over the years. Uh, 
against Kentucky there. So we'll see what happens on uh, Tuesday night. Michael, tell uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find you online or read all your stuff leading up to and after the game. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at mlanana. That's M-L-A-N-A-N-N-A. It's kind of like banana, but a little different. And you can find my articles on thegocamecox.com or just go on thestate.com. Um, I, yeah, I'm mostly primarily focused on the men's basketball team, but do football coverage, baseball coverage as well, um, and specialize in, in feature writing stories as well. So, um, yeah, thanks thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the game and, and seeing what the uh, Gamecocks can do out there. Well, they they do a great job there at the state. Another fine McClatchy paper uh, covering all of South Carolina athletics. Uh, and as you said, there's a lot going on with South Carolina athletic, athletics right now with women's basketball and the, and the job that Shane Bieber did in football this year. A lot of excitement, and I'm sure the fans will be fired up Tuesday when Kentucky comes to town. Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, I want to bring into the podcast my friend Kyle Tucker, who writes for The Athletic, covers UK sports, uh, primarily UK basketball for The Athletic. How's it going, Kyle? Good, man. How are you? I am great. Kentucky coming off the win over Alabama, 66-55 Saturday down in Tuscaloosa. They got South Carolina on Tuesday in Columbia. Kyle, we've kind of talked about this before at UK Games um, about, I mean, this looks to me like, uh, I think you agree, this is a team that could go to the Final Four and win the whole thing, don't you think? Yeah, I, I have I have felt for a while now, I mean, even before, you know, the last month of, of really big wins, I have felt like, you know, you just had to, you, you had to know, but we had to see them do it. I think that's what the last, you know, last three weeks have done is to let us see them do it. But I think a lot of people kind of had this feeling um, just watching them play when you assess the pieces they have and the way they fit, you know, where they have holes or they don't have holes in the roster. You know, there's this feeling even before they really did it, that they could, you know, win at this high level. Um, and so now when you go, when you, when you blow out Tennessee at home and you, you go win at Kansas, you go win at Alabama when you don't even play that well. And frankly, the more evidence we get, the more I'm, I'm inclined to believe pretty sincerely that if, if they don't have the tie tie injury and even a little bit of the, uh, uh, issues with severe at Auburn, they win that game. Um, and so now I, it, you, you have a lot more evidence to support what I think a lot of us have been feeling for a while. This is, this is a really good team that's, you know, maybe they don't have a bunch of high end pros, but they have, they have no real liabilities. Um, and that goes a couple spots deep into the bench. Even they're just, there aren't any major liabilities. Um, you know, and then you throw in Damian Collins last night. It's like, oh yeah, Cal's been hiding this. We're not even talking about Shaden Sharp. Cal's been hiding right. this other five-star, you know, freshman on the end of the bench. Um, it's a really, it's it's the most interesting roster Cal's ever had at Kentucky, and you know, increasingly it looks like maybe one of the best. It's weird by comparison, but it but it may be one of the best. Okay, what's it? I mean, everybody, ourselves included, were scratching our head last year about what happened last year. Obviously, COVID had a huge role to play, but I think John Calipari also kind of rethought some things after last year. What, what, to you in your mind, what, what's been the big difference? Why the turnaround? Not just the players, but why, why the, or is it just the players? Why, why the turnaround from last year to this year? I think it's, 
I think the two biggest factors are Oscar, just straight up Oscar. I think if you put Oscar on last year's team, they are probably, they're at least a winning record team. They might be a team that sneaks into the tournament, like him alone, because they were just destroyed in, in terms of anytime they got in a fist fight down low. Uh, and, and, and beyond like the numbers and production, I think you can just see how infectious Oscar is to a team. You know, he makes other people want to fight. He, he has this, you know, effervescence about him. He just, there's an energy about Oscar. Um, so him alone, you know, you, you certainly don't have a historically terrible year. I think they would have been a just fine, you know, like a, a pretty good team last year, changing nothing else. Of course, point guard still would have been a little uh, problematic, but I think you win a lot of those games. They, they had a number of close games that they lost last year. Right. And Oscar's good. I think Oscar probably makes you, you know, five to seven points better on any given night that he's out there. And then the other factor is just you go from all these years in a row of, you know, anywhere from three to five freshmen you're leaning on heavily every single year. And usually as like your best player to this year, your best player is a junior. Um, and six guys, I, I had this in my story today. This is crazy to think about. Six of their top seven players are 21 or older, including a 24 and a 23 year old. And their one freshman they're really using is a 20 year old freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're old. I mean, they're just, they are hands down the oldest Cal team. All those guys had played a ton of basketball. I think they have five players who played, who started at least 60 games in college. Um, that's just so different for Kentucky. And, and it's dramatically different from a year ago. And I, I think that's made all the difference. They're just, a, they're a, a steady composed and maybe as much as anything, Cal, when you ask Cal about what is having older players do for you, he just talks about like, almost kind of a professional approach. Like these guys know when, when to be somewhere, you know, be on time, uh, you know, just really basic stuff, but it matters a lot. And, and I think, I think adding Oscar and the fact that you're old when you're always young, those are, those are the big ones to me. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, the game against Alabama. They didn't play particularly well, but they still, you know, won the game and control of the game. Alabama did not shoot well. You mentioned Damian Collins, uh, the way he played. Anything else in particular stick out to you from that game? I mean, I think the Damian thing uh, is really, really intriguing, and, and it remains to be seen if that was just sort of a blip. But I do think Cal said some stuff that worked my ears up about just, you know, he's talking about like basically having a premonition in the night about yeah. <laughs> playing, blah, blah, blah. playing Damian Collins. But, kind of roll my eyes at that, but, but <laughs> I do the idea of matchups, uh-huh. um, as good as Oscar's been, the one area he struggles is scoring against length. You know, when, when you got a really long kind of athletic big guy that can give Oscar some trouble, it gave him some trouble, uh, in the Alabama game. And if you, if you run into that and now you can throw Damian Collins out there and, you know, Ty Ty was talking about this, like, if you if you've got him out there at the bare minimum, you attack the rim, and if you're if his guy if his guy comes, you just chuck it up there as high as you can throw it, and he'll go catch it. Um, you know we've seen guys like Marcus Lee have. You know you didn't need him a bunch, but when you really needed him, when Willie got hurt in the Sweet Sixteen, going into the Elite Eight, Cal taps Marcus. You know a, a six foot nine, really athletic you know, guy who was limited taps him on the shoulder and says, you can, this is your game and you, you can do this, this, and this. And he went out and he dunked lobs and 
had put back down some block shots and, and it's one of the more startling performances, <laughs> you know, we see you, you even, I, you know, Isaac, it's a different type, type of player, but Isaac Humphreys uh-huh. almost became a Kentucky legend right. uh, in that elite game against North Carolina because he came out of nowhere and provided something they really needed. Um, if Damian Collins could kind of be that in the right matchup, you know, right when you need him, give you that little spark guy in a postseason game, um, sometimes that's the difference between making that run and not. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think we talked about this before. The one thing that kind of bothered me about this team, it was kind of like I wish they had another big to go with Oscar. Lance Ware starting to come on. I thought he played well at Kansas. But, boy, if Damien, if, uh, together, but especially Damien because he's so athletic, if he could be that guy, especially going into March when you get into where matchups really matter. And Oscar, there might be a game or two. He's done a great job of avoiding foul trouble. But where he gets into foul trouble, sometimes NCAA tournament games are called differently. If Damian could really step up, that would obviously be a huge boost. Yeah, and I think I think you mentioned too the fact that there's now maybe a combo of options, you know, and depending on who you're playing, it might be Lance or it might be uh, Damian, or you might just steal minutes here and there. And I think it's been interesting too to watch. It feels like Calipari tried to manage the situation a little differently lately with Oscar. Like if he gets one early foul. Uh, he pulls him and plays Lance for three or four minutes. And if Lance, you know, hold, you know, holds the rope, so to speak, then, it, then great, you know, and, and it seems like Oscar, it seems like Lance has been able to consistently at least do that, hold the rope, get in there and, and the lead doesn't go away or they don't, the other team's lead doesn't grow a bunch and you, you give Oscar time to rest and you give him, you buy some time where he's not picking up another foul. Um, and now if they've got another option, that's the way I've always looked at the the, the power forward position. Like, I, you know, Keon and Jacob are not necessarily going to maybe ever be so totally consistent, although Keon's really coming on. But I've always felt all season like one or the other is going to play well or the combination of the two is going to give you enough. And now if you can look at the backup center spot, like one of Damian and Lance should be able to give you five to ten good minutes on a given night, and that, that might be enough to get them there. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect them to have much tro- trouble with South Carolina on Tuesday. But after that, they've got still got some tough games remaining, especially on the road. They go to Tennessee on the 15th. They've got Arkansas, uh, who's really coming on. I think they've won eight in a row. they got Alabama again at home. Uh, they got two more games left with Florida. Uh, what what are you going to be looking for from this team as we head into March and, you know, the SEC tournament, and more importantly, the NCAA tournament? Are there things you're going to be look, you're going to look for from this team to gauge, you know, are they ready for the postseason? I mean, really, it's just, can they keep, keep up what they're doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think everybody, <laughs> I think everybody's settled into a role. Um, you know, last night, you know, Wheeler, what did he not? Did he not score at all? He did not um, score. And, and you know, but he he doesn't he doesn't seem to care about that. And no, like no. Ty Ty is their best player. I, I think you'd say probably just long term their best player. Their one sure pro, and he's got this attitude of like he doesn't seem to mind. You know, all these other guys stepping up and having their moment. I, I, Cal keeps bringing it up, but it is a remarkable stat. They have six different players who've scored twenty plus in a game. Right. Um, that is a luxury just so few teams have. And, and so I, I feel like all these guys have bought into a role. They've all 
really bought into the idea that it can be anybody's night. You know, you hear players and teams talk about that all the time, but this team seems to really lean into it. They like each other. Um, the primary thing about what I wrote off of the, the Alabama game was just like, this is the team that's made fans, you know, like Kentucky basketball again. I think a lot of people were just really weary of, of the constant turnover and feeling like you got to watch them just mightily struggle for three or four months and hope they put it together in March. Um, I think with barring, you know, if you remove Ty Ty and Severe's various injuries at LSU and Auburn, this team put it together in early December, mm-hmm. uh, mid-December. Since Notre Dame, you know, if you go to Bart Torvik, one of the, the Ken Palm types, stat forward site, uh, advanced metrics site, you can do windows of time um, on the advanced metrics. And since the loss at Notre Dame, Kentucky is number two in the country in terms of all the efficiency metrics behind Gonzaga. They, they have been playing great since December the 12th, basically. Um, and that's peaking, not peaking, but that, that's clicking so much earlier than, than a typical Cal team has lately when you, with the exclusion of 2012 when they won the national title and, right. uh, you know, 2015 when they got to the final four undefeated. And, and so, I don't know that I'm looking for anything new other than to kind of monitor this, you know, Lance and Damien situation. Um, but I think they just got to keep doing what they're doing. We haven't even brought up Shade and Sharp, so I think that's probably a good sign that they've played really well lately. <laughs> well, since you did bring up Shade and Sharp, uh, what do you think the odds are now that, that Cal puts him in there at some point? Yeah, I don't think he plays. No, um, I, I just. Either. I think that I think that was the preferred plan by everybody involved from the start. Um, I think if some things had gone differently, uh, you know, had Ty Ty broken his ankle yeah. um, when he landed at Auburn, we see Shaden Sharp. Had they lost to you know Auburn, Kansas, and Alabama in a row on the road, and they got like one or two good wins, and they're wobbling, um, and their offense had wasn't you know potentially lethal. Yeah. As as it is, then maybe we see Shaden Sharp, but I just I don't see a lot of advantage. And I know people if they don't if they do anything other than win the national title, then it's going to be that's going to be the the card people play on Cal. That like you you know you sat there with that guy on the end of the bench and didn't play him, and we didn't win at all. Um, but I just don't think I see the value in it. And I think even his mentor has told me, and he's told that he's told Ben that like yeah. if he plays, there's a chance he plays. There's a good chance because he's a good player that he plays well enough that you go, well, he didn't do anything to diminish his pro stock. He should right. just go pro right. and leave. I think it's more likely actually that he plays next season. If he doesn't play this season, um, yeah. maybe that's counterintuitive to people, but I, you know, either way, I, I just think the way that's going for this team. And when you think about chemistry and w- what is making this team special, a lot of it is the chemistry right. um, and everybody knowing their role. Do you really, do you really want to introduce sort of chaos to that? I, I don't think, Cal does, and, and I'm not sure Sharp and his his folks want that to happen either. They don't want to disrupt this thing that Kentucky's got going. No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, especially when you've worked so hard to build the chemistry that you didn't have last year, when you had a regular summer, when you had a regular uh, you know preseason and those uh, confidence-building games early in the non-conference season, you're seeing, to me, I think you're seeing the rewards of all that with the chemistry and the way this the unselfishness of this team. Why do you want to you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why, you know, why do you want to mess with that? So, uh, no, I agree. Exactly. I agree. Uh, well, Kyle, uh, 
not that you need any more Twitter followers, but uh, tell the listeners where they can follow you on Twitter uh, and, of course, online at The Athletic. And and also uh, direct them to one or two things you've published or maybe something that you've got coming up that you want them to be on the lookout for. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. And, uh, I don't tweet very often. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so, so no reason. He's really shy, no reason. On, really shy on Twitter. Very, you have to look really hard to find his tweets. I like to keep quiet. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, <laughs> don't make any waves. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, things I would put, I put out there, you know, we, um, my colleague and I, um, TJ Moore did a kind of a breakdown of, of Oscar's impact, looking at film and numbers and just, Talking to people about it led to the ridiculous, embarrassing question I asked Jacob Top Toppin awkwardly about shaking Oscar's hand. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but I think it is a good kind of examination of his impact. We were kind of mentioning that earlier. I just I just think Oscar has totally transformed them, even just by himself. Um, and going back a little further, um, Kellen Grady story I wrote on Kellen Grady and his family. Uh, Kellen's a really likable guy. This is a very likable team. Um, but Kellen has just an incredible family history of grandmother of and grandparents of uh, incredible importance in South Africa in their history. And uh, right. it, was, it was a pleasure to tell that story. So, yeah, check that out. Check that out on The Athletic. Uh, Kyle, always great to talk to you. Look forward to seeing you as the season uh, progresses. And thanks, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate you having me, man. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to my guests, Michael and Anna of the State Newspaper down in Columbia and Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Check out both those guys on Twitter. Check them out online. You can check me out on Twitter at John Clay IV. Drop me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. We, I appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Appreciate everybody out the feedback that we get on the podcast, that's greatly appreciated as well. Kentucky, South Carolina, 7 o'clock start down in Columbia on Tuesday night. We will have uh, plenty of coverage leading up to during and after the game at Kentucky.com. Go to my sidelines blog. I'll have live updates, a dedicated Twitter feed during the game with live updates. Um, look for my three takeaways after the game. Follow Jerry Tipton on Twitter at Jerry Tipton. Follow Mark Story at Mark C. Story. Follow Ben Roberts at Ben Roberts HL will all have coverage of the Kentucky-South Carolina game on Tuesday. Thanks again to my guests, Michael Anana of the State Newspaper in Columbia and Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.